Good morning, Orlando Baptist Church family. Oh, I think we can do a better 2022. Welcome and good morning. Say, say with me on three. One, two, three. Good morning. That's better. That's better. Uh, throughout that worship set um, and the song that's just been resonating on my heart and mind, I, I think you might know it. It's great as thy faithfulness. Um, God has just been so faithful to our family, to our church both Restoration Church of Sanford and Orlando Baptist Church, and I just thought I would start off by singing it with you all. Can we do that? If you know the chorus, it goes, Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I needed thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Praise the Lord. That's the testimony of every Christian. 2021, we can sing that song, can't we confidently? Uh, assuredly hoping in Christ. Today, church, is, it's a big day. It's a monumental day for, for my family and uh, all who are here today who have committed to launch and be members of Restoration Church of Sanford. Uh, my name is Pastor Arthur, and I'm the lead planter and pastor of Restoration Church of Sanford. And this evening, we will have our charter membership celebration service at 6.30 p.m. I'm so excited. Uh, I'm trying to get the address kind of just impressed on my mind. 1501 East 8th Street, Sanford, Florida, 32771 Hamilton Elementary. That is the home of Restoration Church of Sanford. Praise be to God for his faithfulness. And I just want to personally invite you uh, each and every one of you who are here and, and even watching online, I want to invite you this morning uh, to join us this evening for that service. It, it's a big deal, and we would love for you to come and celebrate uh, with us. It's a monumental day, uh, but it's a monumental day for a lot of reasons, really. But really two reasons that it's a monumental day is one... It's that this is the day that we as individual members are going to commit to God and to each other that we will worship and serve and carry out the great commission to all those in Sanford, Florida. That's a big deal, to commit to the Lord in that. But secondly, it's a big day because Orlando Baptist Church, our home church, is sending us out. And, and in a day and age where churches are not healthy, this is such a beautiful picture for our world to see. That they're sending us out. Not, they're not kicking us out. Some people get kicked out in the name of church planting. But we are getting sent out. And that's, that's, that's a work of God. And it started a long time ago. It started 13 years ago when I came to know the Lord and met Pastor Dustin Janney. 
and through the ministry of World Hope and Pastor Dave Janney and through our senior pastor at the time, Pastor Dale Brooks, just over the years, people praying for my family and me and, and confirming our calling. It's a big deal. Today is a big deal. But it's monumental because today's the day that we are going to prepare our hearts for what God has in store for Sanford. And the question is, is how then do we prepare our hearts as a church? And I'll tell you, it's by means of prayer. We need to pray. That's how Christians prepare their hearts for ministry, is through fervent prayer. Friends, I want to remind you that Jesus never called his house a house of preaching. He didn't call his house a house of evangelism. He didn't even call his house a house of outreach, not even a house of worship. You know what he called his house? With Isaiah 56, verse 7, and Jeremiah, verse 7, verse 11, in mind, in both of the Gospels, Matthew and in Mark, here's what Jesus says specifically in Mark. He says, my house will be called a house of for all the nations. A house of prayer, not just for the religious Jews, but for Gentiles like us, that we get to communicate with God. If this house, Orlando Baptist Church, and Restoration Church of Sanford, if our houses will be known for anything, beloved, may people know this house and the house of Sanford as a house of prayer. As a house of prayer. That's my prayer, is that we would be known for that first and foremost. E.M. Bounds says something in his classic prayer book entitled Power Through Prayer. If, you, if, never, if you've never read the book, you need to pick it up. So a short little book on prayer uh, written by E.M. Bounds, and it's called Power Through Prayer. Pick it up. But this is what he says in his book. He says, the church today is weak in praying. And this is a bold statement here. He says, the pride of learning is against the dependent humility of prayer. Prayer is with the church too often only official, a performance for the routine of service. Prayer is not to the modern church the mighty force it was in Paul's life or Paul's ministry. Every Christian who does not make prayer a mighty factor in his own life and ministry is weak as a factor in God's work and powerless to project God's cause in the world. Then he says prayer is the Christian's mightiest weapon. An almighty force in itself. It gives life and force to all. Do you all think about prayer that way? We should. Jesus, when he made that statement in both Matthew and Mark, that his house would be a house of prayer, he wasn't just encouraging the Gentiles to pray, but he was calling out all the religious people who weren't serious about his business. And there's a lot of religious people who aren't serious about the business of the kingdom of God. And so we don't pray. You see, friends, Jesus cares more about what happens behind the scenes at our church, our private and corporate prayer life outside of the Lord's Day service than what we even portray here on Sunday morning. He knows your private prayer life. He cares about that. 
He cares about the corporate prayer life of our church. He cares about that. That's where we do business with God. And it's obvious that throughout our evangelical gatherings, especially Sunday services, that there is a serious prayer problem, which in turn has left our churches powerless and spiritually anorexic. We would stop with Sunday morning gimmicks if we truly believed in prayer. We would stop with Sunday morning gimmicks if we truly believed that only God can raise the dead to life. We would stop with Sunday morning gimmicks if we truly believe that only God can draw men to himself. If we truly believe that God is sovereign, if we truly believe that only God gives the growth, if we truly believe that if God doesn't bless or show up, we're in trouble. There was this story that I heard about a pastor who's overseas that got his church staff together one day to prepare for Easter. And he says, bring all your ideas on ways we can bring men to the church and, and for, for people to come to know Christ. And they came up with all of these ideas and, and you know, business cards and t-shirts and banners and all of these things. And he said, okay. He took a pause and he says, I, I'm going to give you an address. I need you to meet me at this place tomorrow and bring your best, the best ideas you've got. So they did that and they showed up. And oddly enough, they showed up to a cemetery. And the pastor was waiting by a gravesite. And everybody came in and they were like, what in the world is going on? And the pastor looked at each staff member and he says, all right, you guys got your best ideas? Let's roll it out. I need you to throw it against this site right here where this person is buried. And they threw it all, the business cards, the t-shirts, and the banners. And then they all just stood there and waited. And the pastor said to them, he says, church, until we abandon all of these human ways that we can get to God and until we get on our knees in prayer and understand that only God can bring the spiritually dead to life, we're in trouble. We have to understand that only God can draw men. Only God can raise the dead to life, friends. Only God can give us the growth that we are hoping for. And so what do we do? What do we do? We pray. We pray. And my prayer has been this, that every single thing that we will do here at Orlando Baptist Church and at Restoration Church of Sanford, I pray that it would be just saturated with dependent and needy prayer. Just saturated. So I've entitled my message today, It Happens After Prayer. And if you know me, you know I love a pastor by the name of H.B. Charles Jr. who is in Jacksonville, Florida, and he wrote a book called It Happens After Prayer. And if you haven't read that book, don't do it now, but after service, pick it up. It's one of my favorite books on prayer. And so I, I borrowed the title of his book for my message this morning. But our text this morning, if you have your Bibles, is Colossians chapter four. Let's go ahead and turn there. Colossians chapter four, and we're gonna read verses two through four. And I believe our text this morning helps us to understand 
that prayer is not just an element of service, but a cornerstone and a buttress of the Christian life. And so with all of that said, let us stand to our feet as we read the Word of God. I'm just going to read it out of my Bible here. And I want to remind you, church, that this is the infallible, inerrant, authoritative, sufficient, effective, inspired breath of God. And I read it. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us the door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Now here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray, but I want you to join with me in prayer. I, don't, I just don't want you to have me lead in prayer. We're going to do this together, right? So let us pray together for the message that God would open up our eyes to see and open up our ears to hear uh, what he has for us this morning. So let us pray together. Wherever you're at, let's kind of pray together as a group. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege to call the sustainer and creator of the universe, our Father, because of the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. God, we come before you acknowledging that without your Holy Spirit working, God, we are powerless. We desperately need you to show up today and open blind eyes and open ears to hear your word. We need you. We need you. May we not go through the motions even right now in prayer. May we understand that prayer is just an acknowledgement of, of our dependence upon you for everything, especially hearing the word and having it convict our hearts and transform us. So God, I pray that what we know not, that you would teach us that what we have not, that you would give us. And what we are not, that you would make us. Your word, it is truth. So Lord, sanctify us by your truth. In Jesus' name, and all God's people say, amen. There was a young man one day who was walking along the riverbank and he saw and heard an older man sitting near the water praying. And he was so moved that he went towards the old man and waited until he was finished to ask the man to teach him how to pray. And the old man kind of stared at him for a moment. Then he suddenly grabbed the boy and he plunged him under the water. And as the boy was kicking and struggling to try to get free, he finally got up and he said, why in the world... Would you do that? And the old man said, that's lesson number one. Then he said this to the young boy. He said to the young man, when your soul desires God the way your lungs craved for oxygen, then and only then will you learn how to pray. <laughs> Could it be, church? Could it be 
that the problems you face, that the burdens you bear, that the troubles you are experiencing right now, could it be that the problem is not your surroundings or the devil? Could it be, church, that what you're going through right now is the invisible hand of divine providence plunging you underwater until you recognize that your soul needs God more than your lungs need oxygen. The soul, if you will, inhales God through scripture, right? And it exhales God through prayer. And Paul, in our passage this morning, he teaches us some vital lessons about prayer. And he does it in just three little verses. And the first lesson that Paul teaches us in verse two is that if we are going to be a praying church, we must not just care about what we pray, but we must also care about how we pray. Look at your Bible, it says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. The first lesson on prayer here, which also serves as my first point, is this. The first commitment that one must make in prayer is to not stop praying once one gets started. Let me say that again. The first commitment one must make in prayer is to commit to not stop praying once one gets started. And this is exactly what the Apostle Paul is helping us to understand in this text. The Greek word that is translated here as continue means to be courageously persistent, to intently engage in, to attend constantly, to hold fast to and not let go. It has kind of the same understanding as the word impudent that is used in Luke 11 when Jesus references this parable that he gives to his disciples on prayer. And Jesus basically told the disciples in Luke 11 this, he says, be impudent in prayer. That means be courageously bold and persistent in prayer. And don't stop knocking at the door of heaven's throne until the Lord answers the door and gives you what you need. You see, Jeremy and I, Jeremy, raise your hand. He's a pastoral resident, and Lord willing, he'll be one of our first elders that we, or second elders that we install at Restoration Church. Jeremy and I, we've committed to each other via a gym membership covenant that we will commit ourselves, a big commitment, to working out three days a week together. Which, by the way, we've completed our first week. Praise be to God. I can't really move, but it's fine. We, we both are walking around very stiff. Ray, don't make fun of us, okay? But the first commitment that we must make to each other, Jeremy and I, is that once we start going to the gym, we must keep going and not stop, right? That's the only way we're going to see results. It's the only way we're going to get spiritually, or excuse me, physically healthier. What will benefit Jeremy and I if we pay for a membership, go for a few weeks, then quit? 
he and I know it's just gonna make us more frustrated and more disappointed and we'll probably eat more fast food because of it. (laughs) The only way, church, that we will individually and corporately see spiritual health and spiritual growth in our lives is if we commit ourselves by the very power of God's spirit to continue steadfastly in prayer. You have to continue. You have to commit that once you start, you don't stop. As a matter of fact, we have this. Did everybody get one of these on the way in? 21 days of prayer. You know why we put this together? We put this together to to serve as kind of a ramp for the rest of the year, right? This isn't after 21 days, you guys can stop and throw it away. This is to get you going and then just don't stop. Just don't stop. That's why we give out these 21 days of prayer pamphlets. But Paul doesn't stop there. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer. And then he says, by being watchful in it with thanksgiving. You see, this word watchful or vigilant was used in Roman times for a guard who was watching his posts against the enemy attacks. And typically, this was reference to a Roman guard who was watching his post at night, right? The enemy doesn't attack during the day. They have to attack at night when everybody's falling asleep. So what Paul is saying is this, not only are we to commit ourselves to not stop praying once we get started, but we also must be attentive in prayer. Here's what I mean. We can't just check out and go through the motions. (laughs) We can't just go through another 21 days of prayer just because the church told you to do it. That's going through the motions. We must give prayer, Paul is saying, the attention that it deserves. We must take time to sit at the feet of Christ and learn from him in prayer. There's a story of two sisters, you probably know the story if you grew up in church, of Mary and Martha who were entertaining Jesus and his disciples at their house. But these two sisters had two very different lines of thought about what to do with Jesus. One had good intentions, but missed out on the more important thing, and the other found herself exactly where she needed to be, at the Lord's feet. And I just want to read you the scripture, because it's a good one. It's Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, and I'm going to read it to you. It says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. We could unpack that for weeks in different ways. But the point here in regards to prayer is this. Sometimes prayer just becomes a service. But we need to turn prayer into a delight. May prayer always be the time where you remove everything from your schedule to make sure it gets the attention that it deserves. But if we're honest before God this morning, it's usually the opposite. 
Let me get a little quick time of prayer and then we'll go on and do the more important thing. If you can't say amen, maybe you just need to say ouch, right? That hurts all of us because we're that way. But so many of us, including myself, I'm just going to be frank and transparent with you. Over these last few weeks, preparing for the church plant, Christmas, my daughter's birthday, I have three kids that had birthdays in the last few weeks, December 1st, December 26th, and January 6th, and we're planning a church, and it's Christmas. So I know this. this, this is relevant to me, because oftentimes I'm anxious, and I'm troubled. So many of us are anxious and troubled, and it's really because of our prayerlessness, or it's because of our duty-driven prayer. So as a byproduct of prayerlessness and duty-driven prayer, our hearts have grown cold to the things of God. We have fallen into temptation. We have become cynical instead of hopeful, angry instead of joyful, and ungrateful instead of having hearts of gratitude and thanks to God and others that are in our lives. So Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is telling us, he says, do whatever you have to do to tune out the world and to focus intently on the Lord through prayer. That's what he's saying. Tune everything out that you need to tune out. Everything else is of lesser importance. The main thing is sitting at the feet of Christ. It's going to be through persistent and watchful prayer that our hearts will be guarded with gratitude and ceaseless praise and thanks to our God, Paul is saying. And if we're honest, we could say this with me. It's a sad indictment when Christians don't pray. <laughs> and unfortunately, there are many professing Christians who live their lives as functioning atheists. We talk it, but there's no evidence that we are truly dependent on God. And we talk a lot about God, and we say much about God, but we say very little to God. It's amazing. It, it, it's an unexplainable contradiction to me. <laughs> As Christians, we recognize the appointments of prayer. We accept the duty of prayer. We embrace the privilege of prayer. We celebrate the power of prayer. We affirm the prophesis of prayer. And we still don't pray. So I got some theology for that, all right? And it's not the Bible. It's actually a hymn. And I think y'all know this one. And it says, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. And what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, again, this is a challenging line. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. And then this one. Oh, what needless pain we bear. <laughs> Listen, I've accepted at this point that some pain in this life is inevitable. But I'm determined, church, that I'm not going to go through any pain I don't need to go through. 
Oh, what needless pain we bear. Why? All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. It's a sad indictment when Christians don't pray. But if there's anything that is worse than a Christian that doesn't pray is a Christian that only prays for himself. (laughs) Devotion to prayer involves both supplication for me and intercession for others. Continue steadfastly in prayer means that I have to be committed to praying for others just as much as I'm committed to pray for myself. Roy Lawrence once said, prayer that includes oneself must not exclude others. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 12, we find Jesus giving the model prayer. And Jesus says this, when you approach God in prayer, church, do not approach him as my Father in heaven, but what? Our Father in heaven. You can participate in Sanford. We hoot and holler. We say amen. We, I'm going to call us out this morning, okay? But our Father in heaven. And then when you get to the specifics of prayer, he says, don't just pray for bread for you, but pray for our daily bread. Pray that God will forgive us our debts. Pray that God will lead us not into temptation, but deliver from evil. So in in that sense, church, all prayer is corporate prayer. And no, we don't always have to have, we don't always have to pray with other people, but you should always be praying for other people. And this is exactly what this verse teaches us. But not only does it teach us that we should be praying for others, but this, these verses give us, verse three and four, give us what we should be praying for others. Listen to what he says, at the same time, pray also for us. For what, Paul? What should we be praying for others? That God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison. So here's the two main things we need to be praying for others. One, we need to be praying for open doors for the word. Both in our church, and by the way, this is just a newsflash, we're not the only church in the area. And I tell our church in Sanford, I say, we got to understand that there are other gospel churches in our area preaching the gospel, making disciples. So we need to be praying for our church and all the other churches in this area that are gospel-centered that God would open the door for the word. But the other thing he says we need to be praying for others is a boldness to declare the mystery of the gospel. So pray for open doors for the word and pray for a greater boldness in declaring the gospel. But first, church, we must be praying that God would open doors for the word. And over this last year, we have seen God move mountains in this regard. Haven't we, Dustin? Through our outreach ministry, man, we've over, we have 30 or 40 or 50 people come to Christ through our outreach ministry. And that's not counting any other ministry across the board of this church. And in Sanford, man, When we started Sanford, which was through a prayer gathering, when we started praying in Sanford, just a few of us, right, Lorraine? Right, Jer? Just a few of us. Our prayer was simply this. You know what our prayer was, Lord? Open the door for the word in Sanford. That was my prayer. It was simple prayer. 
And I tell you what, church, God loves it when we pray that because he loves to answer that prayer. And God surely opened the door for the word in Sanford. In Sanford, he opened the door for the word at the recovery house of Central Florida. We're able to get them to service. We're able to disciple them. And some of those folks are right here right now. And they're a part of our church. And now they're looking for opportunities for the word. Praise God. God has opened the door for the word through various departments of Seminole County, through the health department. We are able to share the gospel with them through local businesses in Sanford, through the Rotary Club, through other nonprofits. God has opened the door for the word. And I'm not telling you that so you can go, Arthur, that's great. All glory to Arthur. No, all glory to God. He deserves that praise. And he wants you to know that when you pray that prayer, he loves answering it. But we're not the only church. We need to be praying for open doors for the word in other churches here as well. And I'm just going to give you a few examples of what God has done in Sanford with other churches that are in our area because we need to know these things. My friend Jennifer Campos, she became the director of Central Sanford Outreach up in Sanford. And God, through her ministry, she's been able to minister the word to women who have gone through serious traumatic events, through, through uh, families that never heard the gospel, to their, their, um, their young at heart ministries there. She's had open doors for the word time and time again. She calls me often and says, Arthur, somebody just came to know Christ. It's amazing. And then another pastor who is in our area, Pastor Tim Amayo, he's the lead pastor of Grace Fellowship Church. He received an open door to teach the word of God at Reformation Bible College. And they don't let just anybody in there and they said, hey, you have an opportunity to disciple our students and we would love if our students went to your church so they can experience community. And guess what? That was an open door for the word. And then my dear friend, Pastor Franklin, who was, who was just um, given the title of pastor, he's the interim pastor for some time. He's the pastor of Safe Harbor Church in Sanford. And he just received, I just got a call from him, that he finally received an open door to minister the word to people with disabilities. We need to pray for others. We need to pray for our church, but don't forget, you're not the only church. We need to be praying that God would open the door for the word for every gospel church here in Central Florida and beyond. But my question is this when I read this passage this week, is why did Paul pray for open doors for the word and not something else like philanthropic opportunities? And the reason... Why Paul didn't pray for more philanthropic opportunities and he prayed for more opportunities for the, the word of God to be proclaimed. And the reason that he did that was because people do not receive the forgiveness of sins and eternal life through our good deeds. Acts 10.43 says those who believe in Christ will receive the forgiveness of sins through his name. The Bible tells us one cannot find faith through works. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. Only those who believe in Christ should not perish, but have what? Eternal life, John three sixteen. Romans 1 says, only the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We must preach the gospel. That has the power. And then Paul going on, with this same line of thought in Romans 10, he says this, starting at verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, 
How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Church, we must pray for open doors for the word to be proclaimed. You see, the mission of Restoration Church of Sanford is to restore all people from all walks of life back to God by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, the primary matter of our church is to preach the word, is to proclaim the gospel. And we believe every matter under the sun finds its answer and its hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And every endeavor that our church will embark on must be marked by the destination of God's word. I want to just take you back to your childhood for just a second. Do you guys remember pirate maps? I loved pirate maps as a kid. And they have all of these kind of footprints that lead you to the X where the treasure is, right? Well, friends, the spot where the X is located at Restoration Church of Sanford is the treasure of the word being taught, proclaimed, discipled, prayed, and sung. And not every open door will be a door that we will go through. Every door that will open for us corporately and individually must be tested by this question. And it should be the same test with Orlando Baptist Church. Does this open the door for the word? That's the test, right? But lastly, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul exhorts us to pray for the boldness in declaring the mystery of Christ. He says, declare the mystery of Christ on which on account of which I am in prison. Church, Paul was so bold in his declaration that it landed the man in prison. <laughs> Did you miss that part? He was in prison. His prayer, if you haven't noticed, was, hey, church at Colossae, pray that I get out of prison. But he says, pray for me that I might declare more boldly the mystery of Christ while I'm in prison. And most of us pray and ask God to get us out of scenarios that involve us sharing the gospel, if we're honest. But not Paul. He is praying for a greater boldness of declaration of the word of God in the face of persecution and adversity. And we must pray, church, diligently, with vigilance, that we would not shrink back in our evangelism but that we would have a greater concern to share the good news of Jesus and his redemption with those who are in bondage to sin and are perishing without Christ. We must continue steadfastly in prayer that God would give us a boldness that would move us to share the good news even if it means that it's at the expense of our own comforts. Beloved, could it be that your affliction is just your platform to boldly preach the gospel? Could it be that your hardship is just God's divine hand and giving you a greater confidence in sharing the word? Could it be that your trial is just your opportunity to share the testimony of God's saving grace in your life? What would associate us more with Christ than to be persecuted and afflicted for our witness of the gospel? Nothing. So this morning, Jesus, the same way he asked Peter, he asks us today, the same way he asked Peter in John 21, 
he asks each and every one of us today. He says, Ray, do you love me? Feed my sheep. He says, Pastor Dave, do you love me? Feed my lambs. Adam, do you love me? Tend to my sheep. He's asking you that question this morning. But in verse 18, Jesus follows this kind of interrogation, if you will, with these words after asking Peter if he loved him. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Then in verse 19 in parentheses, he says this, this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And only after that, he said to Peter, hey, follow me. Only after that, he said, follow me. You see, Paul knew the call to follow Christ in feeding and tending to the sheep by boldly proclaiming the word of God, by boldly preaching the word of God, by boldly sharing with our neighbor the gospel, even if it's uncomfortable. Do you love him? I'm asking you that question. I want you to really think about, do you love him? Do you love Jesus? Then feed a sheep. Tend to a sheep. Share the good news of the gospel. That's the only thing of eternal significance, isn't it? May the prayer of our church be the prayer that Paul leaves to the Ephesian church. And this is one of my favorite prayers in all of the Bible. It's Ephesians chapter 6. If you want to go to it, I, I suggest you go to it. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. And then I'm closing. I'm getting there. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. I, I love this prayer. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Amen. Is that your prayer, church? If we're going to see people come to Christ and this church grow with people who love Jesus and follow Jesus, then first and foremost, we have to understand we got to pray. And we got to be a house of prayer. And may our community, everybody who knows us, may they know that we are weak, but God is strong. May they know that we are powerless, but God is almighty. May they know that we are needy, but God is infinitely rich and he owns it all. May they know that we are not independent, but fully dependent upon God to show up. How are they to know? When will God give us open doors for the word? When will we receive the boldness to preach the gospel to our neighbors? When? 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 I'll tell you, it's going to happen after prayer. It'll happen after prayer. Let us go to the Lord now in prayer.
join with me in prayer, church? Heavenly Father, we understand that apart from you, we can do nothing. And I know many of us are troubled and we're anxious and we're tired. And I'm talking about Christians right now, specifically. And the reason that we're troubled and anxious and tired is because we're doing the Christian life by our own strength and our own wisdom. And we haven't gone to you in prayer. We haven't gotten on our knees with our face to the ground and called out for God. And today, Lord, may it be the day where we realize that prayer is not just an element of service, but it's the cornerstone and buttress of the Christian life. We need you, God. We could do nothing without you. There are folks who are in this room who are also tired and weary. And their life has led them to a hole that is just too hard to get out of on their own. And I pray for that specific person today, whether they're online or in this room. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But it also says, but God has given us this free gift of grace in the Lord Jesus. And whoever believes in him repents of their sins and turns to Christ and trusts in the life, death, and resurrection of the dead. Jesus says you can get eternal life in the forgiveness of sins. That you can be free once and for all. That you can find the rest that you're looking for. And I, God, I just pray if there's somebody like that here in this room, that after this service, they would be so bold to come up to me or come up to Pastor Dustin and say, I want to know what it means to follow Jesus by faith. I want to follow him today. I'm tired. I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Lord, we thank you for the work you're doing at our church. It is a privilege to serve King Jesus. And it's a great privilege to serve alongside my pastor, Pastor Dustin to be at this amazing church, Orlando Baptist Church. What an incredible family we have, Lord. May we not take it for granted. May we be steadfast and watchful in prayer for all that you're doing here and in Sanford. In Jesus' name, amen.